0: Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really excited about our guest today. Um, Nikki Tesler is the divisional vice president of behavioral health for UHS. And she's done some interesting things across her career for a variety of different systems. Um, she's, She's obviously big on the behavioral side, I'm not going to steal her thunder. I'm really excited to have her on. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, stories, as you know, are so important. Passions are really important. To do what you do and have done, even though I don't know the story yet, I'm sure it's very powerful, and I'm sure you're leading the charge and have done some profound things, um, you know, on the behavioral health side and just health overall, right? And, And you and I know the mind affects a lot, but um, maybe just take us back, teleport us back to where it all started. Maybe tell us a little bit about the series of events that you've gone through to lead you to become the person you are today.
1: Perfect. You got it. So It actually starts in elementary school. What uh, first Hmm. gave any indication of my interest in behavioral health was I used to go up to the secretary. In my elementary school and ask her which percent happy she was from one to a hundred and i had no idea what percentage meant (laughs) but what i what i knew was that if the number was higher than the day before that she was feeling better and from that young it was in my blood to be a passionate advocate for behavioral health care in fact when i was in eighth grade we had to choose what we did our presentation to the school on, and I actually chose childhood phobias. Again, probably didn't know, but five percent of what that even meant. But what is important for you to know is that it, from a little girl, I knew this was the field that I wanted to be in, and felt very humbled and honored to be a part of helping in any type of a way. Mm. And so I started off as a psychologist, um, trained that way, and had wonderful mentors along the way. And quickly found that in hospital settings, there was a lot of impact that was uh, interfering with or disrupting the care from the administrative side. So I went back and got my executive MBA and wanted to be able to pair the clinical and the business side to help behavioral health thrive. Uh, because mm-hmm. what I was seeing was that it was lagging behind and perhaps uh, having some thought partnership from a clinician, around the business side might be a good idea, and so I moved quickly towards administration. And then my passion of all passions became innovation, and that's when I dipped my toe in. How do we advance behavioral health care? How do we actually challenge the status quo of behavioral health care so that it can finally be on even footing with behavioral uh, the other medical service lines? Uh, so that it leaped forward in a way.
0: I love it. I love it. No, this is so really interesting background, really com- it, cool combination, I would say. Um, you know, the combined elements of these, like, you know, it really must, must, must do wonders for, you know, what you're working on today. And, you know, obviously, um, Nikki, you see a lot. You've seen a lot. You know, you, uh, I guess I'd love to hear a little bit about your fixations in health right now or what has your your biggest attention right now or, or fascination in health like what has you most excited in health today um interested in hearing what that is and also interested in hearing why you, you know you're, you're you're focused in a certain area or, or passionate about um you know a certain a certain area in health right now
1: so I can't help but feel like our crown jewel in behavioral health care is innovation. That's what excites me, and and I would even use the word inspires me. I think that people see innovation as an asset, but I'm not sure they understand the game-changing competitive advantage it could be for the field. And I believe that we, you know, at UHS, which is the largest behavioral health hospital management company. I believe that if we were able to amplify the returns on an innovation portfolio, that we could actually um, innovate the business model. And why I'm so excited about it is that it would it would lead to uh, driving the internal productivity improvements that help protect behavioral healthcare margins. But it would also be a key aspect of the differentiation as we deliver patient outcomes. You attract partners, you know, and and grab that market share so to me there's a path to long-term source of market power and profitability and why that's important is because like i've said behavioral health has for so long been the underdog Mm -hmm. so i get excited when i think about how we can propel it forward and i i believe that what is going to do that is connecting digitizing optimizing technological solutions for the field
0: Maybe walk us through, I'd love to hear like a day in the life or an example of uh, some scenarios maybe happening in the present that are, you know, connecting those two worlds from like either a systems, programs perspective, uh, you know, how that's changing behavior, how we're assessing behavior. Uh, Maybe you can tell us a little bit of uh, a story about it in action.
1: Sure, sure. So I... I think that uh, when you look at how behavioral health operates, the best I can do is share with you the, the actual model. Most of the time what happens is that we, we consistently stay on just the core business. How do we, you know, the margins in behavioral health can be very small. So we get very reactive to how do we just get by to the day to day. And what I'm introducing here and helping kind of the field do is start to have more bets on a speed two, if you will. And so, yes, we could play the game better, but how do we change the game? Mm-hmm. And so what we've done um, and are introducing at UHS is really looking at uh, incremental innovations. So how do we do things that have a rapid financial payback, um, but also... What can we do to disrupt the field? So that, that's like the beyond the orbit of the core business set. And, and so, for example, I think when you look at big innovations, you, you look at things like the data, right? So in health data, everybody talks about data as currency and being one of the biggest assets. But what I can tell you from a behavioral health standpoint is, what data really could be in terms of people use the word population health, hence your, your show. But I'm not sure they understand the player that behavioral health can be if you really took the data and, and drove behavioral health data
0: to yeah.
1: all the nooks and crannies of our health being the mm-hmm. holistic or the wider lens of health. Mm-hmm. So that's one example of how if people really went after the the currency the data currency around behavioral health and utilized it or leveraged it for the better uh whole health of a individual uh mm-hmm. where we could end up being
0: mhm no i I love it I love it and maybe maybe to unpack this a little bit more, maybe you can um you know pretend we have a listener that's like uh an eleven year old a passionate eleven year old that's very curious like um maybe take me walk through an example of like, what is, what is behavioral health? What's, what's the, what's the, what are the elements of behavioral health that make the difference? Uh, and, and, you know, what are the supporting, and to build on that, what are the supporting things uh, of data, data attributes that you're seeing from an individual and group perspective that are starting to make the difference?
1: So <clears throat> I have a daughter that's 11. Um, oh, wow. And so. <laughs> <Nailed it. laughs> Yeah, now exactly. Uh and so what she, you know, oftentimes we talk about it and and she helps me articulate it uh more and mm-hmm. more because to mm-hmm. her it's pretty simple. If you're dealing with mental health, you're dealing with helping somebody uh to reduce any sort of psychological suffering they have or psychiatric distress. Mm-hmm. So if they're sad, you're helping them with their sadness. If they're mad, you're helping them with, you know, that anger. And although I wish it was as simple as, okay, now let's do it. Uh, what we've talked about is the complexities um, and the nuances around behavioral health care. Cause I don't feel um, that, uh, you know, we, we get to do anything in purity, right? There's no pure feelings around any field. And I think right. with behavioral health, what we then are set off to do is how do we get people even to, to know who those people are that are sad, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. identifying that and using data. If somebody is feels that behavioral health is a stigmatized field, they could be very sad and in need of help, but they'll never, ever end up in the behavioral health context. Mm-hmm. So how at primary care or how, if they're visiting somebody for cardiac, how do they then identify back to who's sad how do we get use data in other contexts to, A, identify people? And then, obviously, the connection or the access uh, to getting the care um, for them is critical. The mm-hmm. other element, though, an opposing force to all of this is how we feel about it. So one of the things I talk about with my 11-year-old is uh, how people, you know, go quickly to feeling shame or humiliation around how you feel. And so how do we as a society, I always say, you know, I want to make behavioral health sexy somehow because it seems like every other, um, you know, context, people are much more, uh, you know, inviting in or welcoming the help. Yet with behavioral health, it's, it's unfortunately very marginalized. So mm-hmm. as we use data, I think we can normalize for everybody that all of us have some sort of mental health struggle or conflict that we're dealing with and it's okay but I don't think until we get out there and really start to take data and find out who those people are and the many of us that have our struggles day in and day out so that we can paint a larger picture that's not just more compassionate but also leads to everybody um being okay with working towards uh a more evolved self, you know, mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. think there's, there's this becoming that's really attractive and enticing. Don't we all want to become our best self? Right. And we don't even get to that sophistication because everybody stops that. Well, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have anything. Mental health is, you know, this and that. And it's so unfortunate right. uh, that we get stuck there. And I, I really think that if data is less threatening um right. way of kind of objectifying behavioral health the way they've done other service lines so that we can all ingest it a bit and then start to really learn from it and get to another level.
0: Right, right. No, Nikki, this is super powerful. And, you know, what I'm wondering is well, and so it's exciting to. So I personally think that behavioral health is everything, I think, when it comes to well-being. I mean, the mind is everything, right? I mean, if you look at... If you look at all the different factors that are happening from, from you know the mindfulness movement that's happening, I'm, I'm always curious on like why is the movement happening? So I'm gonna try and try and understand a little bit more if that's happening, how that's happening. But it, it feels like the the traditionally hospitals have gotten mind, body, and spirit backwards. It's almost like it starts with the spirit, starts then the mind and then the body, and the body follows the mind, the spirit influences the mind. So I don't know if I'm saying something that you may obviously agree to or not. But um, I, you know, there's a lot of people out there that really do believe that there's a whole other new arising element of spiritual health and how um and if that exists this like true sense of like spiritual health and how emotions interact with the spiritual health side how emotions influence or interact with the mind anyway i don't mean to get into like so much of a a super 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 deep spiritual conversation but i'm curious Mm -hmm. on, on what's the new way of thinking that you're trying to to promote so that you can usher in more behavioral health innovations programs and obviously, the digitization side of that it, it comes as a byproduct of uh, clinicians and hospital leaders adopting more programs, and but they have to support this new way of thinking, which I feel like we're in the middle of, or starting it, or in the middle of it. But what's what's that mindset you're trying to promote when it comes to behavioral health and the the union and the way that you know all of the this was related, the mind, the spirit, the, the, you know, the, the emotional side. Hopefully I'm not sounding too hokey. Uh, I promise not to mention any Star Wars references or anything like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Because I I think what you're bringing up is a really important piece to that. And that's to me, how do we create and claim behavioral health value through the differentiation so Mm, mm. does it is there anything wrong with it being different or is that actually the advantage and so Mm. i really believe that the point of difference is going to be around the successful strategy and you're asking really about strategy and i think Mm. um the strategy comes from looking beyond what's cognitively close to the status quo to what's further out you know we can um Try and change the given cir- circumstances through innovation. I think we need to, mm-hmm. um, but it's something not yet contained. I don't think in our representation of reality, I think right now we're looking at how do we develop creative breaks from con- conventional thinking mm-hmm. in behavioral health care. So to me um, I think we have to engage a lot of different types of people to get there, whether it's lead users, extreme users, innovation hotspots, but certain people to reimagine behavioral health, um, mm-hmm. to look at contexts that have had similar problems with behavioral health, and then how to import the solution. So, and, and honestly, really simply put, we need to welcome far flung ideas to shed light on some of our pressing problems in behavioral health. Because um, mm-hmm. I think right now, to your point, you just kind of outlined a much more uh, wider lens of health and all the different uh, parts of it. And I think one of the um, criticisms of behavioral health is I think we get so focused on the internal processes mm-hmm. um, to, to determine our value today that I'm, and we get such pressures and competing pressures to focus that way that I'm not sure we're looking at how other players in health are operating and how we can innovate interface with them or other parts of health like you outlined to see God, where are the edges of the market and, and where are we going to arrive tomorrow? Mm. So I think there's a lot of opportunity
0: there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know, um, I know you're, you've been with a a lot of different, uh, you know, systems out there. And um, what I'm kind of curious is like you're, 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 you're thinking on behavioral health and definition of success in behavioral health for a system, for a hospital, for the population, probably is evolving and changing. Um, assuming this strategy starts to take shape and form, and, and obviously, you know, it's exciting that you're leading that charge. Um, how do you look at, you know, from a numbers perspective, or what are the types of numbers that make a difference when you're thinking of definition of success uh, in behavioral health uh, for a for like for a hospital, you know, for a system for the the population? Um, what's that? What's what's knocking it out of the park? What are those top two to three things that, that, that make a big difference?
1: So I, I, I honestly, I think we, we've got, um, to bring humanity back to behavioral health, right? It's not working on a level of cost or humanity right now. Mm -hmm. And so to me, when you ask what success would mean, I think it would mean that, and it's Mm -hmm. not just bringing humanity back to the patients, but even the Mm employees, um, you know, healthcare really, Deserves to be uh, mm-hmm. a place where people are inspired to work. I mean, what is a more worthwhile profession than behavioral health? Right? There's right. no greater right. purpose really than there. Um, yet you don't. You see people burning out. Right? You mm-hmm. you see people not allowed or able to do what they were trained or get excited by because they're dealing with paperwork. Right? Or mm-hmm. or too many you know authorizations and and different you know, paying situations in the business side. So I think for me, success would, would mean a few things. One, it would definitely mean um, that we were able to accomplish or show that we were bringing humanity back to behavioral health Two, we would understand the thought partnership and the bi-directional relationship between behavioral health and all the other health components, some of which you named mm. um, because what there is a, very important relationship between, you say, mind, spirit, uh, body, you know, absolutely. But even within each service line, we know there's high rates of depression and cardiac um, patients, right? What are we doing around behavioral medicine to really go after that? And then you've got, you know, I mean, we could name, we could keep going with, with right. that analogy. But I, I think that for, for me, the the connection, one is bringing humanity back to behavioral health. Two is the connection to, to, um, the other sides of health. The better Mm -hmm. we do that, the more success we will have. Because again, now we're looking at total care, whole health, uh, which is, is critical. And I, and I think that the third is, is what's going to drive it is to see, the, the value of behavioral health or the success, success of it is going to be as you look around. Right now, we know suicide rates are up. We know, um, you know, all this active shooting and some of the homicidal stuff going on, the level of loneliness. I mean, we all around the world is screaming, you right. know, about behavioral health issues. So the what is going to tell us our barometer and our scorecard or metric should be looking at the world and saying, are we, are we taking a bite out of this? Are we intervening? And, and what are we, you know, responsibly and prudently doing to, to go after some of these things? And I I think that's going to be our scorecard. So some of it's going to be inside out, but some of it, like some of the external stuff going on is going to be outside in as a
0: metric.
1: If that makes sense.
0: No, it does. It does. And uh, which by the way, is one of my favorite, uh, movies on psychology out there is Inside Out, which is, I've watched a lot of times and psychoanalyzed more than I'd like to admit because I'm sure as a parent you you have to uh, see these movies and then you try and find the hidden meaning of them but but from that Inside Out perspective the um, the, the fascinating thing I'm kind of curious on is like say you have a friend or family member and you just focus on that person um, and, and you, you hit something really important, the return to humanity and it's interesting how like The way that that most Americans and human beings live their lives are so different than from like the core fundamentals of like humanity has progressed. Like, you know, stable emotions, eating pure, thinking pure, being calm, being mindful, optimizing for love, optimizing for zero phobias and, and zero fear, which I have found that it's very hard to focus on no fear unless you have to focus on like love, self love, love for others so that you can crowd out phobia so you can crowd out the fear to almost zero right almost zero i don't like to say like 0% fear there's i think there's it's it's hard to get, get that all out but it, it it's the goal right like what's your what's your definite when you're when you're talking with someone and they're struggling behaviorally what's what's like uh, my goal i need to get this person here or to realize them to get here or to get them to be more self-aware about this emotion or being this like how do you What's you what's your goal on the on a micro level, individual level? Um, you know, so I'm just kind of curious there. And sorry if that's 17 questions in one there, Nikki.
1: <laughs> so no no no, no problem at all. So the I think with every individual, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's why it's been so difficult to do. Precision medicine as well in behavioral health, right? right. It, right. Because everybody, you know, it is so—it's so nuanced, it's so intricate for each person. So I think what I would say is appreciating and recognizing that personalized care and behavioral health is is so important because everybody struggles and and it manifests itself differently. So understanding that and identifying that if you and I were both depressed how it manifested it in you and how it manifests in me could be very, very different, right? You could just withdraw. And if you were withdrawn, maybe you needed, you know, more help around the, the social support. Maybe me, I might be engaging in self-defeating things like addiction or self-injurious behavior to Mm -hmm. express whatever feelings I was having. So I would then need, um, help around, you know, coping and coping skills and tangible ways to to manage the self-defeating behavior. So um, what I'm saying to you is I think that with any individual that needs help, I think the the biggest and most important is for somebody to have compassion and kindness for themselves that they're going through it. And if it's somebody you love, it's understanding and having that. I think we get scared Mm -hmm. when we see somebody else. Um, struggling. And Mm -hmm. so I think instead of that, I think the more kindness we can provide to that person, or if it's us, the more kindness we can provide to ourselves. Because if you come from a critical lens, whether it's somebody you love or yourself, it really, you get stuck there. Um, You can't Mm -hmm. move forward. But if you come from a place of curiosity Mm -hmm. and you engage in the treatment or you engage in the person who's having the issue then you can make um, the pr- any progress you want to get to where you deserve to be, mm-hmm. and I say that because I think a lot of times it can come from a self esteem place, right? I don't feel deserving, right, or I feel worthless, and so we'll sabotage getting help or um, accepting uh, the help that's being offered to us because. We're matching what we feel, right? I feel right. like um, not well about myself, so I'm going to show you that I'm not well. Um, right. And so we have to switch that paradigm um, mm-hmm. for ourselves and for other people. But the only way we can get there is if we um, come from a place of kindness and empathy. We have, all of us have got to realize in a very humble way that we are no different than the other. You know, we mm-hmm. are all the same line. Um, nobody's better or worse than us. Cause I, I think that critical piece of being that critical is, is a killer when it comes mm-hmm. to getting the help you deserve.
0: Mm. No, I, 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 I appreciate uh, the breakdown of that, uh, of, you know, it's so, so many different facets and, and, and elements to this. And, and so it, it's, it's really exciting, but yeah, no, I appreciate that micro example because, you know, you optimize for the some of the things you mentioned, you know, you can, you can start to systematize, systematize those, right? And, and then, uh, of course, you know, data, digitization, and then seeing, like, the elements that make a difference um, in the progression of patients as they're making this journey is really, really interesting. And I guess, uh, you know, along those lines is um, you, you're working on some really interesting things right now, and, and we, we're talking about a lot of different facets of behavioral health, and the different dimensions of it tell me a little bit about your your vision of health in the future whether it's related specifically to behavioral health and kind of this next evolution of like this this merging of the the physical and kind of the mental uh aspects of of behavioral uh, health. Um, what does that vision look like? What's the optimistic version? Um, so, one thing I'm trying to do these days is not invite dystopian versions of future, which I'm sure you won't have one. But where are we <laughs> going health wise? Where are we going health wise? <laughs> what is happening? What do you? What would you like to see happen?
1: So, I I really feel optimistic about tomorrow, um, uh-huh. and I and I think it behavioral health has a very promising future. What I would say is we have. Um, I'll make a few predictions, uh, bold ones, if you, if you don't mind, about where we'll get to. And I, I think one is, is that the behavioral healthcare, that we're gonna move away from a supply-driven uh, behavioral healthcare system, mm-hmm. or, which is organized more around public versus private sector currently. And then we're gonna move towards a patient-centered system organized around what patients need. Uh, two, I think we will shift the focus from volume, funding, all of that to more patient outcomes achieved. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to replace our fragmented system that exists today in which every local provider offers the full range of services with a system in which services for behavioral health are concentrated in care delivery with coordination that offers like high value care cycles. And then last, I think we we know our pain points in our landscape, and I think we're going to find solutions to resolve these challenges. But what behavioral health has to do is we need money in our system, and so we need to make money off of our solutions and become that fierce leader for technological solutions. Mm. Because I think we can be the driver of change for both, like payment reform and innovation. But I think behavioral health has to understand their seat at this table. if that makes
0: sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, everything's behavior, right? Everything starts, starts and ends there. Um, Mm -hmm. This is great. This is great. Um, I promise one last question. So in behavioral (laughs) health, um, you see a lot, you've done a lot. And you obviously, from a leadership perspective, have to stay resilient, um, you know, in what you do. What's what's something on a routine basis, either daily or weekly, you do to keep the engine going, to stay clear, to stay focused, to stay healthy?
1: So I definitely, what I try to do um, is gratitude. Mm. And and what I mean by that is whether I find gratitude in getting to, to be with my kids in a way, the time I get to spend with them. Mm-hmm. Or gratitude to something going my way, mm-hmm. and it could be very small, like oh, something you know, somebody let me in here, and my driving in Miami, which is not always something that happens every day, or um, and it can be as small as that. And I use that as a silly example, but to me, what I've found to be the best for my mental health is what do I find to appreciate um, in my daily life, whether it's through my kids what they're doing, their eyes, or whether it's through something silly happening to me or to nature. And for some people, you know, it's also a thanks to God or whomever they believe in. If they are, you know, in that spiritual realm, I think, um, it's, you know, somebody, whoever that is, whether you believe in God or you don't, it's the matter of where can we find the gratitude of, of the things that go well in our lives. Because mm-hmm. there's so many challenges and there you know, the days can be very difficult when you're, you know, fighting um, perhaps even if it's for such a great cause.